Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. The theme of what I want to talk about today is that the lineage that you are from is very ancient. The culture which you are which you were from and called to represent is very ancient, it's eternal, and it's, and it's of a different kingdom than this world. We've talked a lot about, even in this series that I started doing, about these two family trees. One is very much of this world, of the ways of this world, of this fallen world and way of thinking, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which poisoned and limited mankind ever since we've seen in the book of Genesis caused mankind to see God through this lens of being both good and evil simultaneously, bred confusion into, the, into our lineage, into humanity, and caused those who are the images of God to reflect or um, release an image that was contrary to who God truly is. But there's another tree in that story which is your true family tree, and it's the tree of life. The tree of life came and manifested as a person. His life was the light of men, it says in John 1. He was the one who, it said, he was the word of God, or the expression, the communication of God, who was with God in the beginning, and also was God. This is Jesus. This is the course correction of our lineage to bring us back to this ancient heritage to which we truly belong, this ancient design that God has for us all. And the reality of every single one of us, as much as our our, our, our individual callings and purposes could be varied and, and be different, we have different ways that we're called to manifest the kingdom on the earth, we are all called to awaken to that reality. And, a, and to establish that ancient culture in this earth. And, you know, in the, the hall of faith, this Hebrews 11, talks about these people who've lived and walked in this temporary place, as Hebrews starts off saying, by faith we understand that the worlds, the planets, were framed by the word of God so that that which is seen was made by that which is invisible. In other words, the invisible realm, the eternal realm, the spirit realm is more real than this place that we see with our natural eyes. And by faith, we step into this realization that heaven, the culture of our true father, the reality of heaven, we've been, we've been um, tasked with, purposed with, this destiny has been given to us to manifest that unseen realm into this place where that place has been kicked out. Yeah. It was like we, we feel like Adam and Eve was kicked out of Eden. And in a sense, that was true. But in reality, Adam and Eve gave the keys of this realm over to the evil one, and he locked God's realm out of this realm. He he cloaked it to where we couldn't see it. But Jesus comes, this tree of life comes, and he says what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's actually here. It's back, man. It's back, and it's here, and it's now. And that's what his message was, much of it. Heaven's real, it's at hand. And not only that, it's also within you. Luke 17. 
The Pharisees were trying to trap him in his words. Well, how does it come? Where do we see the? When do we see the kingdom? When? When will the kingdom come? When will be? When will we be out from under the Romans? When will we stop living like stepchildren and live as the true people of God, the successful kingdom, the way it was when David was our king? And Jesus' answer to them in Luke 17 is as it, the kingdom doesn't come with observation. You're not sitting here looking for the signs and trying to tell like, oh, you know, you know I thought the signs of that hail coming this morning. Oh, I mean, Jesus must be coming back today, boys. Oh, it's the last days. I was wrong. He's coming. You know, no. But it's just like he says it doesn't come with observation. He says the kingdom is actually within you. Jesus said that to Pharisees, by the way, who were trying to trap him, by the way. It's inside of you guys. It's like, what? It's like, you're ancient. You're from me. You've adopted a culture that's not our families. And you have it backwards. And it's on the inside of you. And when you decide to release it by coming and seeing who I truly am, it will manifest in the earth. It's like all of creation, as Romans 8 says, is groaning and longing for the sons of God to be revealed, to manifest themselves, because creation was subject to fertility. It was subject to the fall. It was limited when man gave the keys over to the enemy. And now humans, us, the images of God, have, have come back to this place where it's so important to see, because when we see Jesus, when we see God as he truly is, we start to manifest that same image from glory to glory, and that manifestation changes the culture. It's about culture, and it's about your culture. The whole thing was about the war of these two family trees, and our culture is meant to be established in this place. That's what church exists for. The culture of church, I, I, I hate to say it like this, but I am allergic to it. I'm allergic to churchianity. I'm allergic to the, the lingo of it, the, the fakeness of it, the sound of its music, all of it. And, I, and I, I'm sorry to say that, but it's just because, but, but, but there's something more real we're called to represent. It's an ancient culture. Romans 14, 17, this is, a, this is a verse a lot of people hear. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. This is like what you abstain from and what you don't abstain from. What your rituals are. It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is culture. It's like, that's not talking about rules and regulations. It's talking about culture. The culture you're called to represent is this righteousness means to be actually in alignment with God, with your true self, who you truly are. Seeing Jesus as he truly is, and you will be in alignment, and then you will have the peace and joy that is in the Holy Spirit. It's about culture. It's just like when you go to certain places, man, certain types of restaurant, and you hear that mariachi music. It's like, ooh, I can, I can almost smell them enchiladas right now, and them chips, dude, that salsa, that, because that culture, I love that culture. Thank God that I live in Texas, you know, that I was moved here. But I love that culture. I love that vibe. I love that food. I love a lot of cultures and vibes and food, to be honest. But, you know, it's like you go into certain restaurants and the culture of that, that that food was from a lot of times is there. And it's so cool and it's so fun and it's so distinct. But we are called to have the cultural essence and smell and sound of that mariachi, that spiritual mariachi band, is the peace and joy of God. It's a people who are not led by fear, you know. See, that's, the, that's a, a, a leading um, division between these two cultural, these two family trees, is that one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, 
It actually drives and manipulates people's lives through fear. The tree of life, on the contrary, it doesn't drive anything. It leads people in life by love, by passion, by hope. It's a, diff- it's a completely different game. It's join my club, sign up, because you're a sinner and he's mad. And if you don't, the lamb's coming back as the lion and he's covered in blood and you're going to catch it. And that sounds extreme, but I mean, that's, that's literally from like, I mean, I heard it two days ago from one of the leading leaders of the, of the machine. And I, and, and I kind of like to listen to him sometime. But when he said that stuff, it was like, wow, what a backwards, twisted way of thinking about the, tr- the tree of life. And he was covered in blood. He sure was. But it was his own. And he refused to judge the tree of knowledge. He refused forgive them. They don't know. They're ignorant of what they're doing. That was his judgment. Let there be light was his judgment. It was in Genesis. It was in John 1. And it is today. And the culture of heaven is actually to lead through love, through hope, through vision. Because there is an eternal purpose that God has for us all. It is the narrow way, and those who find it are the ones who wholeheartedly go all in following that shepherd. It's never been about fear about getting in or not getting in. I mean, we, you know, we could do all that. We could do some of the sayings of Jesus. We can do some of that stuff even in the New Testament that's actually talking about the fire that was coming against the religious machine is what it was actually talking about. And people have taken that as being this eternal play, this eternal uh, line. But in reality, the, there's purpose and there's destiny that makes this temporary reality seem like a breath that will fade away like grass, as the Bible says. And we have the ability and the, and the, and the, the destiny and purpose to, to fully come aligned aligned heart and soul with the purposes of the kingdom manifest them in, in this time and place which is so incredibly valuable and step into the age to come this position of ruling and reigning with christ it's like what does that even look like it's rarely ever talked about but it sounds like there's so much more past this temporary phase that we feel like is so big but it is important you know So we've been talking about those trees and we've been talking about Abram, the father of the faith, right? Because all through the scriptures and especially in his life, and it it always constantly goes, we see the war of these two trees fighting one another. Life and the tree of knowledge, just back and forth. Everywhere you see it's parallel, you know? The bride of Christ and Jezebel riding the beast. It's like, you see it all the way through, through the book of Revelation, that which is of the tree of life, that which is of that tree of knowledge, of good and evil, the machine, the, the beast, the, the devil's tree, you know, the serpent and his, his war. And, and the reality is like we have the freedom and opportunity to take this yoke and this burden that is light and step into our true inheritance and step into the, the winning side of this team and manifest it in the world. And that's what our purpose and destiny is, you know. So Abraham, we've, we've, we've watched them. He's this basically a pagan man, a guy out of Mesopotamia that God picks, like, I'm going to be his God, let all the other gods of the world, scatters the nations according to the number of the sons of God. We've talked about Deuteronomy 32.8 and, and, and the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, all these different things. God picks one person to start over with this, with this reconnaissance, this recovery of all things. Abraham. And he's an old guy. Gives him a promise that he's like, you know, 
Through your lineage, all of the families of the world will be blessed. It's like not even only your people. I'm going to do something that actually rescues everybody. There's a blessing going to come for you. And this old guy, his, old, his task is, when you start seeing him in Genesis 12, is like, you have to leave your inheritance. You have to leave your father's house. Because remember, the whole thing is culture, man. It's all culture. The culture, the inheritance, even the good stuff that you had coming, it's like you have to leave it all and follow me. The way of your fathers, the way that it's done, because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has rooted its ways into mankind to where there's a way, a process of living life, and it has departed from following the tree of life, the Lord who is the shepherd. And so here he comes and he calls him, just like every real Christian in, in the real Christian walk. It is not looking for comfort. It is not looking for safety. It is actually going against the fear that steers people from the tree of knowledge and following life, the tree of life, with your life and actually leaving everything you've known and choosing, I'm going to trust in him. You know, it's the two trees. Yeah. He gets up and gets out. He, he, he starts to meet God, as we've been talking about. He starts to follow him. He, he meets some very interesting characters. Melchizedek, you know what I mean? You know, God's making these brilliant promises. Um, I think we left off at the very last at a promise that God made to him. Because God comes and he's continually reiterating this promise. Like, hey, all your lineage is going to be blessed. Your, your family is going to be a blessing to the ends of the earth. I'm going to actually give you lineage to the point where Abram finally gets to the point, he's dealt with fear. There was a famine in the land. He, he, would go, he drove down to Egypt, drove his whole flocks and her, you know, his whole, everything he had down to Egypt because there was a famine instead of following God. And he almost lost his wife. You know? Every time that he made a decision, tree of knowledge, based, by, based on fear, to get his needs met or to feel safe, to go back into... Um, the world superpower to go back into the ways of the world. That's what Egypt represented. It actually didn't put him in a place of safety. It put him in a place of danger. And so it was this, this parallel, this balance. It was just like, man, when things get look dangerous, if I'm following the most high God, I'm actually very well taken care of. But if I get tricked into trying to get my own, my needs met because I'm afraid and I'm making decisions based on fear instead of listening to him, I actually go to the place of safety and it ends up becoming very bad for me. This is the quagmire that it is walking in the spirit. This is the war of the two trees. We, we did this Jeremiah um, 17 verse. You know what I mean? Cursed is the man who trusts in his own flesh and he, and he relies on his own strength. You know? He will be like a, like a shrub that doesn't see when the good is coming. But blessed is the man who trust in the Lord, whose heart does not depart from the Lord. For he'll be like a tree that's planted by water, and even in the day of drought, he won't cease to bear fruit. It's this, it's this interesting, um, it almost just sounds like an ancient religion, because it really is. It's, it's before this world. It's this prophecy that's saying like, hey, trust in the Lord no matter what it looks like, Follow him instead of actually being steered by your fear. Because if you're steered by your fear, you'll be like a shrub. So even when there's blessing and goodness of God, you'll be so afraid by, by the way things look that you actually will shrivel up like a bush. But if you trust in the Lord and you make your decisions following him and becoming in alignment with him, 
Even if the world around you is in a famine or in a drought, you're going to flourish and bear fruit. It's foolproof. It's recession-proof, this walk. Abram was learning this walk. You know? He goes, you know, the story of Lot, his nephew. Lot, Lot gets taken prisoner, taken captive. Abram mounts up with his servants and a crew, and he goes and he wrecks shop against these kings during this wartime, and he rescues Lot. Last week, or uh, I think it was last week, we talked about that. On the way back, he rescues Lot, but he comes to the place of two trees once again. Remember, it's like sometimes we do this review, but the Bible was written to be meditated upon, not just to be read like knowledge and zipped through. You can literally park on this stuff and, and, and look around on it like, like you're in an interactive 3D movie, IMAX or something like that. And the wealth of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge will speak to the situations of your life in the here and now. That's how this works. Abram goes, wrecks shop, rescues Lot, but on the way back, boom, we see the tree of life and the tree of knowledge all over again. The tree of life manifests as a person named Melchizedek. You know, the Dead Sea Scrolls believe that he was an angel of the Lord or the angel of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? People, the Jewish people think like there's something more about this guy. He's God. You know what I'm saying? The book of Hebrews really kind of, the way it kind of words like, you know, somebody without beginning or ending of days, without genealogy, like it kind of makes it seem like Melchizedek was the embodiment of the Lord as well. Like that was Jesus. Some, a lot of scholars don't believe it was. It's kind of a 50-50% toss up. I lean to the fact that it was Jesus. I think it was him. Um, it, or it was either him or it was a sign of somebody exactly like him pointing to him. But the reality was this king named Melchizedek shows up, right, after this battle, and he shows up and he gives him bread and wine. The calling card of the Messiah. The calling card of our true inheritance. Right? The bread and the wine of communion. Repentance and remission of sins. The body that was broken for us to which the fall and the inheritance we are not supposed to have doesn't come into our body. The blood which was shed, that poison from the tree of knowledge that put us into transgression, it washes away the sin. It washes away the transgression, puts us back into alignment with our true lineage. Melchizedek shows up with the calling card of Jesus and gives unto Abraham and his guys bread and wine. Not only that, he blesses Abram. He speaks this beautiful blessing over Abram that he's blessed of the Most High God, El Elyon, a name that no one's ever heard before. But he's telling Abram, who's just meeting God, by the way, you're God, he's actually the Most High, he's the best one out of all of them. Abram, I don't believe, actually knows that yet. He's just learning this. He's a Mesopotamian guy, he's a Babylonian. He doesn't know what we think he knows. Yeah, he's just showing up, but he's learning about El Elyon, and then the king of Sodom shows up. He's there too. And he's like, hey, Abram, I'll give you, give me all the people you rescued, because that's what he, he wants. That's what the machine wants, all the people. He's like, and I'll let you have all the goods and all the money. To which Abram's like, no, I, I'm not making a deal with you. Lest you say that, that you blessed me. And he says, because I'm with El Elyon. This name that he just learned from this priest king named Melchizedek. You know what I mean? The king of Salem, the king of Jerusalem. Speaking of culture, the king of Salem, the king of Jerusalem, like that didn't even exist in this time. You know what I mean? Like, who's this king? 
from Mount Zion, who's a king and a priest. He's obviously a type of the Messiah, but this is for every single one of you. People are going to meet him. Jesus, the word, the king, the priest king shows up with, this is your inheritance. He's choosing to follow God, even though he's making mistakes. And in that, he's learning more and more about who God truly is. And the most high God, the one in whom you don't have to be afraid of the things of this world. And Abram's able to take, to see the tree of knowledge, which is safety, which feels, which is the religious system. It really is. I'm not against it. I am against it. I'm for the kingdom. But it's like, but he sees it for what it is. He sees it exactly for what it is and tells Sodom, like, I'm not going to trade with you. You scratch my back and I scratch yours. I get the money from you. You get the people from me. And I'm not going to come into where there's a string attached. I'm fully following El Elyon. And not only that, he actually pays a tenth of all of his stuff to Melchizedek. He tithes to him. You know. And see, we've always, most people have only ever heard about this as money, right? But this is, is Abraham coming into full alignment with God. Like my whole life, I'm not going to make a partnership with the world because it's going to benefit me and the world, and then I can be comfortable. He's like, no, I'm actually going to give unto this priest and show that I'm trusting in God, El Elyon, the Most High God, and I'm, my life is going to be in alignment with him. And that stance right there, dude, was a line in the scan. We talk about that, Romans 14, 17, righteousness and peace and joy. Righteousness means alignment with. He's like, my life is following him and coming into complete and total alignment with him. I'm not going to be steered by fear to make these connections in order to keep my needs met or to be safe if things go sideways. And to me, that's beautiful. That's courageous. And it resulted in Jesus showing up to Abraham's tent. Because the very next chapter in 15, and that's where we stopped last week, it says, after these things... So after Abraham aligns his life with Melchizedek and the priest of the Most High, it's like, Abraham, look, like, it's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Like, who's the God of Melchizedek? The priest of Salem, the, the king of peace, the king of righteousness, all these things his name means. It's almost as if Jerusalem and the eternal king lived there and it was his property and land before it even really was. But that's what it says about these guys in Hebrews 11. It's like they lived in the land of promise as if they were strangers. It's like they were there and it was their inheritance, but the culture hadn't fully shifted back to what it was before time and space. That's kind of a lot. I'm on it right now, but I don't know if I communicated that well. But it's like they were living in their own territory before it was their territory. It was like, and it was still theirs and, and the king was there. And it's just like, whoa. And he was coming in, into alignment with something ancient that was like, hey, this isn't your father's lineage. You, even the person you think is your father and you, the way you think is, is your lineage, that's something that you've, that you've adopted after the fall. Your lineage comes from me and it's way before this time and space. Your culture is of me. And that culture is going to invade this world through you. And he's reestablishing it. It's not churchianity. It's not, it's not, a, it's not American. It's not uh, Mexican or European. You know, it's none of these things. It's something different. And the fruit of that culture is the fruit of his spirit. But that essence of love, the tree of life, manifests in joy and peace. And those two things are unshakable in the world. Everybody wants it. Everybody wants to have it. 
And nobody really has the answers until they eat from that tree. All medicine comes from that. I mean, pharmacia, like the whole thing, alcohol, everything comes from trying to get something externally to bring the joy and the peace back into our hearts, to, 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 the Zan to try to get out of the place of fear and anxiety. But the reality is it can only truly be found from that tree, the culture of that family tree. And God is calling people back into their true lineage. I feel that in my bones, like God is calling us all back, calling people back, like, hey, if you've been led of fear, if you're even looking to get your needs met in life before seeking first the kingdom and being aligned with him and about his kingdom purposes, then we've missed it. And Jesus came saying that, seek first the kingdom above all things and all that you need will be added to you. It's a wholehearted devotion. There's a, re there's a reason this thing starts with Enoch, right, in Genesis 5. There's a reason there's this one guy before the flood that like he walked with God and was not. It's like, wait, what? He, he became so aligned in his true culture that he vanished from the earth. He never had to taste death. <laughs> you know what I mean? He entered through the cross of Jesus Christ thousands of years before Jesus manifested and was crucified because he knew God on such a level. And Genesis 5 says he lived 365 years which is, you know, a solar spin around the sun for us, 365 days. And he was the seventh from Adam, which is a seven-day week. And we have that saying, you know, I work out seven days a week, 365 years, you know, whatever your Instagram, you know, model says, like, yeah, I'm about that life. But, but anyway, so uh, it didn't work. But Enoch was about that life. His life literally embodied somebody that every single day of the year, every single day of the week, he was wholeheartedly in devotion and connection to God. And he was in such unity and connection to God that God took him, it says. He entered in to the kingdom. You know, the book of Jude says Enoch prophesied about the return of the Lord. And I'm raising my hand to Jude. I'm like, hey, buddy, how did you prophesy about the return of the Lord coming with thousands of angels? Like, <laughs> how did you prophesy that? If he wasn't even alive the first time Jesus came and was crucified, <laughs> it's like he prophesied about him coming back. That's in your Bible, right? But it's because his heart and soul was, was in righteousness. He was in such alignment with God. You see, Abram is, it's a call to righteousness, dude. But Abram was stepping into that, this tithe, this like my livelihood. I had a teacher, man, probably 20 years ago that talked about tithing. And, but he, he was talking about tithing time. Like it's not, money is, is, a, is a thing, but, and that's what most people have heard, but it's like, like the essence of your life, like if, you, if you're not connected in relationship to God, even, well, sometimes it's like, well, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to really pray. I don't have time to, it's like, it's like hey, well, what's 10% what's of your day, you know? And shoot, count, count eight hours for sleeping then, or nine for some of you, or six, whatever it is, you know what I mean? What's 10% of what, what does that leave us with? 12 hours? No. Two times, 16, sorry. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have a degree in math, you know? Hey. You know, but what is it? What's the 10th? You know, it's just like this, this connection and devotion to the voice and the word of the Lord that is so vital and crucial. But most people wake up and they're, they're led, the tree of knowledge, even believers, they're led of worry and trying to make things happen. Yeah, man. To make decisions, even about, you know, whether it's, uh, it could be a million things, like instead of seeking first the kingdom and, know, and being led of his voice and about his kingdom purposes, that has always been the game. 
When we let it go and we learn to function in our Father's house according to our plans and purpose that He had for us, then everything else lines up. We don't put that first. Stuff doesn't line up and never will. You know, Abram's learning that. He comes into alignment, Melchizedek, the most I got, all these things. And then the word of the Lord, it says, comes to him. The first time that's ever written in Genesis 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying. So the word of the Lord came and it was talking. And see, we've never heard that before in the Bible. I mean, we, we, after this, you start to hear it a lot. You know, the word of the Lord came and stood and called out to, to Samuel. You know, it's like the, the word of the Lord has feet. Like, yeah, like they understood this is the embodiment of Yahweh would come and manifest himself to people. We understand this. We have John 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. It's saying he, Jesus, is him. That's him. Now he's coming to Abram and he's saying, hey, listen. This promise that I have, it's true, it's real, and it's for you. Abram's getting comfortable, and he says, Hey, I don't even have kids, and I'm old. How's this ever going to work? He's interacting with them. Maybe a servant in my house will be born, and that's going to be my heir, but you're not giving me no kids, and I'm an old guy. To which the word of the Lord tells him, what does he do? He walks him outside, and he says, Come out of your house and look at the stars. This is right now. For a billion people, this word. Come out of your house and look up at the stars. First, he tells Abram what? He says, come out of your father's house. This culture, it's different. Your brain, we need to rewire these things. You're not called to be led by fear. You're called to be led by me. But trust me, all the world's going to be blessed. All the families of the world's going to be blessed. through you. Come out of that culture. Now he's telling Abram, I got these worries. It's going to have to be a servant in my house. It's going to have this. It's like, look, dude. He's like, you know what? The word walks him outside of his tent. He says, come out here with me and look at this. This is cosmic, y'all. Number the stars of the sky if you can. The answer is, I can't. Exactly. You can't number those and you can't number how many people you're going to have born to you. That, that's what he was saying, you know? But also... You have that Hebrews 11 that, that literally talks about by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. The planet, the galaxy, the cosmos, this whole thing has been framed in by something more real. And he's bringing them outside and he's showing them, hey, this whole thing is way bigger than you think. It's way bigger than you think. But he's coming to him after he's passed the test of those two trees, the tree of knowledge there once again in the king of Sodom and the tree of life there as Melchizedek. And he's chosen his alignment. He's chosen not to have strings attached. He's chosen not to be led by fear. Somebody's going to meet my needs. I may, I may need all that stuff that he's going to give me. He says, no, I'm going all in with him. And then the word shows up. Every time he makes the decisions to follow, the Lord shows up more and more in his life. A lot of people, I'm not hearing anything. I'm not hearing anything. It's like, yeah, but have you followed through on what the Lord has called you to do? Have you been faithful with the plans and purposes that he's called you to walk in? And have you actually walked in faithfulness of service according to God's family plan? Yeah. This isn't like a, you know, I'm not, I don't have a sign-up sheet for all the service that we need at the church and everyone's going to sign up afterwards. It's not a rally. This is what I believe with my entire whole heart. And there's something about actually functioning according to your plan and purposes and service 
that we have the servant king that came and demonstrated this reality, that it, that is the way to coming alive and your doors being open and your path being laid before you. And so here he is showing him up and pulls him out of his house. Hey, dude, come out of your little worry bubble of this tent. Come out of the, the first you come out of your families. Now I'm asking you to come out of yourself. And I'm asking you to think bigger and realize you have all these fears and how's this going to work? Well, I'm going to have to do this. And you're thinking of how you can work it out yourself with your servants and all these different things. And it's like, hey, come out here and look up at something much larger because I want to talk to you about it. I'm making a covenant with you, that's how. It's me that's going to do it. And God makes the covenant. And, you know, if you want to read Genesis 15, it's very strange, this, um, you know, this spoken oven and burning torch and passes through the animal carcasses and the, the, the way they would make a covenant, uh, covenant in the ancient Near East. He vows to him, like, and, and it's interesting because it's like God's like, hey, this is my covenant to you. He, he's not even asking Abram to do anything. It's just, hey, just trust and believe in me. It says Abram believed him and it was counted as righteousness to him. Believing God causes you to step into alignment. Believing in fear causes you to do things in your own strength and it causes a mess. Just like it did when Abram went back to Egypt the first time and almost lost his family. Luckily, he corrected and came back to the tree of strength, met the Lord and got back into alignment. Then went and got, got into a major fight. <laughs> you know, and met Melchizedek. But it's like, this happens. Of course, if you read on in the story of Genesis 16, Abram's wife now, Sariah, has a bright idea. She's like, what? We're going to have kids? Like, dude, I'm old. You're old. What about my maidservant? She had an Egyptian maidservant. But there's another key for us. There's somebody that's, Egypt is back. The world superpower represents the system, the Babylonian machine. It's, it's all of those analogies that we have throughout all Old Testament and New Testament. And it's just like, hey, why don't you uh, go on a date with her and have a kid there and it'll be like it's mine. To which Abram, Abram said, like, I feel like this might be the Lord. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> goodness. Yeah. Okay. And does. And it works. So God gave him a promise, and in their own strength, because of doubt in the Lord, and because of fear that God's promise wouldn't come to pass, they did it themselves. And Ishmael was born. There's a lot to that, but there's a prophecy about him that his hand was going to be lifted up against everybody. He's going to be a wild man. Every man's hand against him, and he's going to dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. And we are seeing that play it out quite a bit these days, are we not, in the Middle East? That war is raging hot and, is, and has raged ever since. And there it is again. They went and tried to do something in their own strength. And next thing you know, you have what? You have trouble like crazy. I've always wondered because it's like God doesn't appear back to him again and say, all right, you're an idiot. You did that. I'm picking somebody else. God literally comes back to Abraham when he's 99 years old. And he says, I'm the almighty God. Walk before me. I will make my covenant with you. Like you're going to follow me. This is, this is real. That Ishmael's not the one I've been talking about. He changes his name to Abraham in Genesis uh, 17. And he gives him his side of the covenant. 
this is your side of the covenant. You're going to be circumcised, you and everybody in your house. You know, so bizarre. We're all adults here, but that's, that's a weird thing to do, like out of the blue. Like, so that's what I have to do? Like, why? What is this? But it was the cutting away of the flesh. It was this understanding of like, hey, you're Abraham now. The Lord, the heth, the, heth, the breath, the life of God was inserted into his name. And we see a distinction from Abram to Abraham. Like, this is you, you know, Ishmael, doing things in your own strength, working, you know, poisoned by the tree of knowledge, but now you're going to be somebody else. He always changes people's name. Isn't that funny how Jesus does that to people? But it's like he changes his name. He's got God in his name. He's got the breath of God. And for us, it's symbolic to see like this is what it means when Jeremiah 17 says, but blessed is those who trust in the Lord and doesn't rely on their own strength. This is the Lord that appears to him at the oak of Mamre, like that appears to him at the oak of strength. And he's telling him, hey, it's about my strength, about my spirit. It's not by your strength. It's like we can force things to happen because they're quote-unquote God, but even that will create a mess. What ends up happening here? He changes his name. He gives him his sign of circumcision. Well, this is what you're going to do in your vow. It's like your flesh and your carnality is what's causing you to make these bad decisions to put you in these bad places. And he changes it with him. And also, by the way, Sariah, um, he does the same thing to her. He's like, her name is Sarah now. It's like, this dude's in his 90s. Can you imagine this girl you've been married to forever? By the way, you're, I'm changing her name. And you're like, huh, how, how do you, isn't that weird? Like, I'm an old man. Everyone's called me this forever. It's like, now, well, this is your real name. This is who you are. It's you and me together. Spoiler alert, if you want to read the end of the story. Jesus literally comes while he's sitting at his tent at the oak with two others. We'll get to that later on probably. But I mean, he, he tells them, hey, this time next year, you're going to have a kid. And Sarah, hear, Sarah hears it. And what does she do? Does anybody know? She laughs about it. Like, ah! And I, I love that. Verse 18. Sarah denied it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I told you you're going to have a kid next year. And because she it's the way of women was over with Sarah, by the way. In other words, she wasn't having a menstrual you know, cycle and anything like like this. It, it was really impossible. But God said, no, you're having it now. I told you. And his name is going to be Isaac, you know. 13 years after Ishmael was born, they're like, what? And Sarah denied it. She's like, he's like, why? He, he, uh, can you imagine the Lord, the embodiment? Jesus said, like, hey, wh why are you laughing, Sarah? Why are you laughing for? What's that? What's that about? She's like, I didn't laugh. <laughs> In verse 15, he goes, no, no, but you did laugh. <laughs> That's Jesus talking to Sarah, by the way. That's in your Bible. Or Yahweh, the embodiment of Yahweh. We know who it is, the word. And I was like, oh, I didn't laugh. Oh, oh, you laughed. You laughed, Sarah. I heard it. But it's fine. It's fine. A year later, Abraham's 100 and, and Isaac's born. The promise. The lineage starts. Carries on. What they never saw coming. Hmm. Isn't that wonderful? Isaac born. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm going to stop with that today. But some of the major points that I want to talk about or want to close with is that Abraham goes back to Egypt twice. The second one was the Egyptian maidservant. But he relies on something Egyptian two times and both times in his own strength, it produces trouble. And worldwide eternal, you know, long time trouble for one. But God was never calling him to go backwards. It was fear that made him want to search for his needs to be met by the world and in the way that he could figure out 
that caused him to think in a way that was contrary to a mind that is unlocked by the Spirit. And it's so exactly the same for us today. Fear causes people to try to do things in their own flesh and forget that when, when we do things by our own strength, according to Jeremiah 17, it means that our heart is departing from the Lord. And we're like, well, my heart's, I'm down, I love the Lord. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, but if you're making decisions that are not seeking kingdom first and your function and your purpose in Him and what He is building and doing, then your whole family and lineage will suffer. You can be trying to make the best decisions even for your family and for your life and for your five-year plan and all these things. But if you're doing so out of fear and troubleshooting without first consulting the king himself, the Lord himself, and following through on his purpose and destiny for you, then it will not work the way it's called to work. And Abram was learning that lesson. He created a mess multiple times, and he will after this as well, and so will his sons. But it's our walk, you know, we're learning. And God's still gracious, but God was always kind and gracious to him. And he shows up to him and he calls him by his name and he changes his name and his wife's name. And he makes the point that the culture that they were called to establish, like their true lineage, was going to have no connection to the systems of this world. It's like you cannot bow to that system to get your needs met. You cannot yield to it to be comfortable. That will cause you to step out of faith and into the machine, into Babylon. The story is there throughout the whole Old Testament and the New Testament. It carries on all the way through Revelation, and it's always going to be that way. We're going to trust the Lord. We're going to follow Him. We're going to walk in what Taylor said a couple weeks ago, wholeheartedness, full devotion to Him and His plans and purpose and what He is doing, what He is building. Or we're going to do it ourselves. The culture they were called to manifest was otherworldly. They were called to walk by faith, not by the strength of his flesh. And because he ended up choosing to do this, he became the father of nations. He became the, the father of, of faith itself. You know, There was the two callings to come out of your father's house. And one was, and the second one was like, come out of your own self. Come out of your own tent. Come out of your own fears and this own bubble of your brain that's trying to work it all out and think through this problem, that problem, this problem, this and that and all these different things. Step out of that stuff. Come and look at the expanse of my creation. And actually, there's even more to that. There's an eternal scope that I've called you to and understand that you can't even count how many stars there is. You can't even contemplate the reality of the purpose and destiny that I have for you. And that's what he's telling them. And that's what he's telling us. It's like, hey, trust in me, not in your own self or not in your own fears. The promise was daunting and Abram couldn't see the path, but the Lord, the word brought him outside, showed him a different perspective. It's like Abram came out of his dad's house, came out of his own house, and he's coming to this realization, what Jesus talked about, seeking first of the kingdom and the righteousness of God, being in alignment with him in all things. That's where we missed it. For many miss it. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. It's like, yeah, that means I don't say cuss words in traffic and I don't watch rated R movies and I make sure I don't drink more than two and a half beers because then I feel a little... T-. You know, it's like we have all these like programmed what righteousness and rules and regulations is, but righteousness is being alignment and full-hearted devotion to the tree of life. And that causes you to step into your culture, which is the peace and joy of heaven. 
which people will see and want. And evangelism is like, hey, this works and I'm alive. And people want what you have. And like, what do you have? And it's like, hey, I have a dad and so do you. And this is our inheritance. This is our lineage. Hmm. Being faithful with our true lineage and our true father. Um, If I'm not faithful with the purpose of my father's house, then my house will not progress into the fullness that God has for it. Abram was realizing that. I have to realize that as a dad. You know what I mean? I can troubleshoot stuff for the kids or whatever, but it's like if we're as parents, if we're not faithful with the purposes of the kingdom and of the father's house, our own house won't actually be in alignment. You know? And we think of like, we talk about things like this year, a year of wholeness, wholeness in all of our spheres and, and, and the path of wholeness and the path to like walking in this fulfillment. But that path is found in pursuit in alignment with God more than any other thing. It's not the pursuit of wholeness itself, you know, because we can really get into psychology, which is psychology is not bad, but we can really get into even figuring that out. But it's in pursuit of actually pursuing the purpose and the destiny of God in us that causes us to come alive and puts us on the path of wholeness. It's not in pursuit of the promises of God themselves, you know, because we're all contending for things, for life, and even for our families, any good parent is. But what the Lord is saying to people is like, hey, you've got to follow me. You follow me. I take care of your family. You know? Yeah. It's a kingdom first mentality. So, it's a narrow way. Jesus talked about it, Matthew 7, Luke 13. But sometimes that narrow way is what brings you into the expanse. And I felt that way. I felt like I'll probably release a word maybe even this week, but there was like a narrowing happening with people and a pressure and a tension. And even that, it's just like Melchizedek. It's like Melchizedek was a test of alignment for Abram that caused him to meet the word of the Lord. And I feel like even that narrow way of alignment and tension, it's like, hey, finding the path of of the Lord is finding the path of the purpose and destiny that he has set for you and going all in wholeheartedly on that reality. And it causes the expanse to come. It causes things to open broad for you. And it causes the doors that you're called to step through to open. It's always been this way. Faithfulness opens doors. It's always been that way. Because God has the key to it. He has the doors open. But it's in His footsteps. It's in His path for us all. So, anyways. all right. Well, Lord, we thank You for the Word of life which is true. And the essence of this kingdom that we're called to manifest. The culture of heaven. That it's not a matter of eating and drinking, of what we do and we don't do, or even what type of spices we put on our food. But this culture is being as righteousness is coming back into complete and total alignment with you, and um, that there is peace and joy that we're called to step in that is that is otherworldly. And I ask that everyone who maybe has experienced a shaking or a lack of peace or anxiety coming into their life would actually see that path and those doors which you have for us and have the courage to step in alignment and and walk through that stuff with you.